Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, hey, Liverpool One Church. It's so good to see you. Go ahead and grab a seat. Make yourself feel comfortable and make yourself feel right at home. And I would just love to start by just saying a massive warm welcome if you're here today, perhaps for the very first time. Maybe you're wondering, like, what have I walked into? I was promised free lunch today, and I've walked into this. This is crazy. This is not what I'm used to. Can I just say, you're a VIP guest today. We're so glad that you're here, and we're so thankful that you would honestly just take part of your weekend to come here to be with us, it really means a lot. And for our online family, we love you guys as well. We hope you're doing well. Let us know who you are. Let us know where you're from today in the chat. That'd be really cool. But you know, today we're at the start of a brand new series in the life of church. And you might've noticed perhaps on the way into church today, it looks slightly different, right? And we're really excited as a church team to start and kickstart this new series off today. And you know, I've been preparing a message today, a talk, and I have to be honest, it's weighed heavy on me. This subject has weighed heavy, and I think the reason why is because it's relevant for all of us today at some stage of our life. And I think today, I think God would want to remind us of what His Word says in relation to freedom. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today is freedom. And I'm just believing that God's gonna step in and he's gonna do what only he can do. But for him to do that, we need to pray. We need to ask for his help, his strength. So just wherever you're at right now, just bow your head with me. Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful that we get to right place and right size you at the start of the service. Father, we're so grateful that we get to come here freely and worship you. No matter what our week has looked like, we get to come here, we get to hit the reset button, we get to go again, we get some encouragement, we get some strength from your word, God. And today I ask that you just help me move out of the way so that you can have your way. Help any nerves go right now. God, use me as a vessel to speak the truth into the depths of our hearts today because I believe that you've got a word for every single person in this place today, God, me included. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to fall afresh, give us something new today, help us walk out of here different today. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we're at the start of a brand new series in the life of church called at the movies, at the movies. You might have got like a cinema vibe walking in here today. That was the whole idea, I guess, with the red carpet. But we're really excited because this series is gonna be just throughout this month and we're gonna be looking at just loads of different topics that all tie into a theme of a movie. Does anyone love a good movie? I'm a real like movie geek at heart. Like I know so many movies. My wife is like, should we watch this on Netflix? Should we watch that on Disney? I'm like, I've watched it all. I've beat you to it. Somehow, some way, I've sneaked up in the middle of the night and I've watched all the movies I can watch. Well, if you know me, you know that actually I'm a really movie geek. I really am. And I love looking at IMDb for like all like the best movies like of all time. And the movie that I want to use today for this message to sort of, I guess, just help frame it and just set it all up today 
is a classic movie. It was made back in 1996. I was three years old. I loved it then, and I love it even more now. And the movie that I want to share with you and show you today is Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. I know that a lot of you will have heard it before, but in case you haven't, or you've got no clue about this movie, I've got a short clip that I'd love to play. So just fix your eyes on the screen, and let's check it out. Wow, so there you have it, Shawshank Redemption, classic movie, and I love old school trailers. They could give the whole movie away <laughs> before you even get into it, which is good for me today. But this movie is all based around this main character called Andy Dumfries, who's a banker, and he gets sentenced to two life sentences back to back. That's 50 years in Shawshank Prison. And as you've seen from the movie, you might have been able to see from that clip, but as you can see, he was actually wrongfully accused of killing his wife and her lover. And Morgan Freeman, like you've seen in the movie, is a brilliant actor. I love Morgan Freeman. He plays this special character called Red. And Red is Andy's friend in the prison. And he like narrates like amazing through this whole movie. I absolutely love it. But it's fascinating to me to watch this movie because as you see the story unfold, you really start to see that Andy was really different than all the other prisoners. Even through his situation, it was wrongfully for him to be in there. He shouldn't have been in there to begin with, but through his situation, he found a way to find hope. And in the prison, he sticks out like a sore thumb. If you watch the movie, you'll know. He's a, he's a banker. He ends up like befriending pretty much everyone in the prison. He ends up doing all the taxes for the guards and for the warden. And he's just this really interesting character. And over the years, he carefully plans his escape. In fact, it takes him 28 years to slowly chip away at his cell of his wall, right, with a small, tiny rock hammer. And he creates this massive hole like you've seen there on that clip. And then he hides it with a poster. And when the moment's right, he picks his moment 28 years later after he's been in Shawshank Prison, and he escapes through a 500-foot sewer. I mean, could you picture that for a moment? Crazy. I love the movie. You should definitely go and check it out later on. But in the movie, when I was watching it, I noticed this really interesting comparison between Andy and this other character called Brooks. Now, you might not have seen him just then, but Brooks was in Shawshank Prison for 50 years. When you see him, he's an old man. He's actually the prison librarian, and he's not the man he used to be. And Andy was described by Morgan Freeman as if he was a man that was free on the inside. Andy walked around the prison, you've seen it, as if he was free. He had a confidence that didn't make sense. It's almost as if he knew something the other prisoners didn't know. But while on the other hand, Brooks, after 50 years, he finally finds his freedom in the real world. And he just can't cope. He's been institutionalized. And he really struggles just with normal everyday life. He struggles with a job. He struggles just with his home. He wants to go back inside. And he just gets a bit fed up. He's free, but he's not really free, truly free. And he's got a really sad ending in the movie. You see, I watched this and I seen this comparison and it made me think that actually in life, it's not so much different. It's possible to be set free without actually being able to live free. And many of us are able to find freedom, but we really struggle to be free. Why is this the case? And this is the topic that I want to explore today to help us navigate this issue. This idea of experiencing true freedom 
is what I want to talk to you about today. And if you're taking notes, I see a few of you that are taking notes, I'd really encourage you to do that because you never know when you could look back on your journal in years to come and need them notes. But today, if you want a title for that note, it would simply be this. The title for this message is Set Free to Live Free. Set free to live free. And this is my desire for all of us today because the truth is we all want to live a life that matters, a life that means something, right? We want to live a life of purpose on purpose. But if you're anything like me, there are different stages and phases of your life when you just feel a little bit trapped. You feel a little bit weighed down by the situation that you're faced with and you feel a little bit hopeless and you can't see a way forward or way out. My worry and my concern, no matter who you are today, is that you don't actually feel free. In reality, you're free, but you don't actually feel free. Somehow you feel like your freedom is being blocked by something in your world. And maybe for you today, maybe you're really struggling right now in work. Like that deadline or that project or that boss is just being way over the top. It's too difficult to manage. You feel way out of your depth, and now you just feel really, really overwhelmed. Or maybe for you, maybe today you're really struggling financially, right? Maybe you've put a few holidays on the credit card. Maybe you've spent some money on things that really you shouldn't have. And now you find yourself in a bit of a financial mess and you're struggling just to make ends meet and you're feeling the pressure financially. Or maybe for you, maybe it's in a relationship and you've been in that relationship for some time and you've invested your heart and your life into that relationship and then it's just starting to fade away. It's not being reciprocated. It's almost turned in in some ways to like almost like a toxic relationship. And it's left you feeling unwanted or unloved. Or maybe today, if we're really real for a moment, maybe you're really struggling with an addiction. Something that you just can't seem to break through. And this addiction started off where you felt like you're in control. And then as the weeks and months passed on, you started to lose control. And now the worst thing is, it's not just impacting you. It's impacting your family, your friends, the people that you associate yourself with. And now it's left you feeling like a sense of worthlessness. And maybe you just can't seem to be able to quite put your finger on it today. But maybe in general, you just can't find satisfaction from life. Like you're enslaved almost to the routine of life. You get up, you go to work, you put your hours in, you earn the money, you come home, you put food on the table, you sleep, and then repeat, and you're frustrated because you keep hearing about this thing called purpose, and you're like, is there really a purpose for my life? And you lose sight of your dreams and your ambitions, and you just settle. You just settle, and you convince yourself this is the best that it's going to get for me. Or perhaps today, perhaps you're really struggling with shame or guilt, for something that you've done wrong, something that you knew was wrong, but you did it anyway, and now it's just eaten away at you from the inside out. Now you're not the person that you want to be. The situation has just spiraled out of control, and you've, you've just lost all hope. And you're on the verge of giving up and giving in, and you're depressed and anxious now because of that. And if you're a Christian today, maybe you understand the freedom that you have through Jesus but for some reason, you still just feel stuck. You don't actually feel free. Maybe you're really struggling today with a sin issue in your life, and it's caused you to feel distant from God. It's caused you to feel numb. It's caused you to feel a bit stuck in the rut, and you're going around and around and around the same sin issue over and over and over again, 
And now you're embarrassed. Now you're ashamed of what people think of you because it's got out what you've done and now everything's just kind of fallen apart. And now because of that, you've turned your back on God and you've walked away from your faith. Maybe, maybe it's not a sin issue directly. Maybe it's just your mindset today. It's your self-talk. It's what you talk over yourself. And it just seems to always be negative. The default voice in your head is just negative. It says things like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not qualified. If only you knew what I was like on the inside. I'm a real mess. I'm not even a, a nice or a fun person to be around. And you're going around and around and around these ideas, so much so that now you've started to believe them as a the truth. And your mind has been reprogrammed with these wrong thoughts, and it's leading you down a really dark path. And I know what this is like. I've been here. Trust me. And I know the journey that I went on to find true freedom. Freedom that lasts. Freedom that's strong enough to overcome whatever one of these things you face today. Freedom that helps us live truly free. And it was a three-step solution. It was like God showed me three things in his word. It was almost like it was three keys to freedom. And I believe today, if we can get a hold of these three things, I believe the chains of your life that hold you down will be broken today. I believe you'll walk out of here different to how you walked in. And today, I want to help use this freedom that I've found to help free you, to point you to the source of my freedom. And whoever you are today, wherever life finds you, whether you believe in Jesus or not, and you feel like you're just struggling to live the life you want to live, a life where you just feel confident in who you are, a life of hope, a life of true freedom, then friend, I would say this to you, your situation can change. God can turn it around. Your negative mindset can be transformed in Jesus' name by these three steps. It's possible to walk out of here lighter today, and that's my hope. And today, Liverpool One Church, the question that I kind of want to ask to help frame this whole thing is simply this, what do you do when you don't feel free? What do you do when you don't feel free? And today I wanna to help give you a few, a few different answers, practical things to help you deal with this question. Even if all of this is new for you and you're not quite sure what you've walked into, you don't really believe in God, you're not quite sure what's going on, I promise you, we will get there. There will be practical things that you can take from this message, but maybe, just maybe, you'll have a new perspective today. And we're gonna jump into a story in the Bible. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's found in John 8, and it's a good place to start, right, because we're in church. And uh, this story for me is just a really powerful story. And I'm gonna read it. It's gonna come up on the screen, so follow along with me. I'm gonna be reading from John 8, verse two, and it says this. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. This was Jesus. And a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. 
until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said, and Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And just picking up the same story further on in verse 31, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We're descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you're truly free. I love this story. And church today, I believe there's so much that we can learn from this encounter. Within this story, I find the three keys to freedom, and I wanna share these with you today. And honestly, quite honestly, my prayer and the buildup to this talk, to this message today, has been quite sincere, and it's been quite simple. And it's just been, God, help us find freedom today so we can live free tomorrow. Help us find freedom today so we can live free tomorrow. And I believe God has a word for each of us today, me included. So just open up your minds right now to let God challenge your perspective. Open up your hearts to let him deposit what he wants to deposit into your world today. Let this not just be another Sunday service for you. Don't go through the motions. Don't be flicking through Instagram or Facebook. You can do that later on. Let this be a moment where you reconnect with your father. Let today be the turning point in your story. Let today perhaps be the very first time you experience freedom, true freedom through Jesus. So back to the question, what do we do when we don't feel free? The first thing you need to do, and the first point today is this, you need to take a stand against condemnation. Take a stand against condemnation. And to understand the essence of this point, we first need to understand what condemnation means. So what is condemnation? The biblical definition of condemnation is to pronounce someone to be guilty of something they've done wrong. In other words, it's to pass judgment against someone's sins in order to punish or sentence them. It's a strong disapproval in what you've done wrong, and it seeks punishment as atonement in order to put it right. And here in the story, this is exactly what we see happening. This woman is brought before Jesus in front of a crowd, and she's been caught in the act of adultery. And what that means is she was just sleeping with someone else's husband. There was no excuses. It was clear. She had sinned. She was caught in the act, remember. She had done wrong. And these religious leaders and Pharisees were passing judgment on her. They were doing that based upon the law. Now, this was the Mosaic law back then that had 613 rules and regulations. And it derived from the original 10 commandments that that God gave to Moses, that Moses had for the people. And sometimes these rules and regulations, these Pharisees, they're quite intelligent. They were able to twist and manipulate these rules and regulations to suit their own ambition and own drive. And this is what we see happening here. Because it's really interesting to me that Hebrew history tells us that whenever someone was caught on the act of adultery, the man and the woman had to be brought before the temple gates in order to be accused. So my question is, where was the guy? Where was the man? And they would have also had to have someone to confirm what they seen or what they heard, someone to confirm what the accusers were really saying. 
And then both the man and the woman would be punished accordingly. The Pharisees were breaking their own rules here in order to try and catch Jesus out. But Jesus was wiser, he was smarter, and he made sure that justice prevailed. He had the last word over this woman in this situation, and today, friend, he has the last word over you in your situation. And I love Jesus' first action here because he didn't answer the accusers straight away. I love how it says in verse six that he stooped down. Jesus stooped down. I mean, just picture the scene just for a moment. He stooped down in front of this woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And if you understand the gravity of those times, this would never have happened. Someone of his stature, of his religious leadership, would never have done this. He would have never stooped down. But he did that, I believe, to show that actually Jesus is willing to get on the same level as you and me despite of your sin, despite of what you've done wrong. And this woman, just picture the scene for a moment, she's crying. She is absolutely devastated. She's terrified for her life because she's about to be stoned. And to her, that means that's it. These are the last moments of my life that I'm gonna breathe. And Jesus stooped down. It's remarkable. And she was on her hands and knees crying. And then something happens When Jesus stooped down in verse six, it says that he started to write something in the dust. He started to write something in the dust. And there's been a lot of speculation by many different scholars and different people about what he actually wrote because the text doesn't say it. But going back to Hebrew history, typically what would happen when the man and the woman were brought before the temple gates, what they were required to do, a priest was required to stoop down and write the law that had been broken along with the names of the accused in the dust in the floor of the temple. And the dust was significant because it wasn't allowed to be permanent, which is actually symbolic of how our sin can be wiped away by someone of authority. And by doing this act of writing in the dust, regardless of what he said, Jesus could have been showing these accusers, these Pharisees, that they weren't keeping their own law and that he would keep it anyway. He knew the law better than them and he wasn't afraid to challenge them on it. Now, we don't know for certain because the passage doesn't say it, but based upon what could have happened here, according to Hebrew history, it's possible that Jesus could have written down the sins of the Pharisees and their names. Imagine that because it said that he, he went down twice to write in the dust. And remember, Jesus was all known. He's the son of God. And whether he did write their names down or he didn't, it doesn't really matter because what he says next is significant. After he had finished, he stood up and he finally, after them pestering him, they started to pester him. He responded to them in verse seven. He said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone." I mean, this would have been a mic drop moment. You could have heard like a pin drop in this moment right here. Because in their attempt to try and trap Jesus by trying to get him to say something they could use against him, Jesus says something that traps them. It's amazing. And there was no arguing because it was the truth. And it resulted in what I imagine is pure shock and anger for these Pharisees. They're probably really frustrated because the reality of the situation is they had all sinned. And if Jesus really did, write their names and their sins down in the dust. Could you imagine what they would have thought? They would have been amazed at how he might have known these things because nobody would have told him, which maybe explains why they walked away without a word. 
This doesn't normally happen. When Jesus has like a one-to-one with some of these Pharisees, some of these leaders, he has like a full-on battle. Normally, they've got something to say at all times. Not this time. This really caught them by surprise. They didn't see it coming. And neither did this woman. And I find it really funny, actually, how it says in verse 9, that when they heard these things, they began to slip away, beginning with the oldest. It was almost as if the oldest had a bit of wisdom to discern that what Jesus actually said was, in fact, the truth. Verse 10 says, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? They're all gone now. They've all slipped away one by one. Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. And in life, when we get it wrong, when we sin and when we mess up, the enemy wants condemnation to silence us. That's what he wants. He wants the weight of the sin or the mistake that you've made to hold you down. He wants you to think that there's no hope of a recovery. He wants you to think that there's no hope of a way forward or a way back from this. And on the other hand, if you are a Christ follower today, you have to understand you've got something called conviction. You've got something called conviction. And conviction is basically the Holy Spirit within you, prompting you, letting you know that what you're about to do or what you've done is wrong. And friends, I need you to understand today, there's a big, big difference between condemnation and conviction. Don't get them mixed up. There's a huge difference here. And in a book, Secrets of the Secret Place by Bob Sorge, he says this beautifully. He says, the purpose of condemnation is to push you away from his presence, that which is the very source of our victory. And on the other hand, he says that the purpose of the voice of conviction is to press you into the face of Christ. In another devotional by Priscilla Shire, Discerning the Voice of God, she says this brilliantly as well. She says that condemnation offers only guilt and judgment as it points out the problem. But the soothing conviction of God offers a solution. You'll know God's voice because with it, you'll have encouragement along with conviction. It's twofold. And church today, you need to understand that the solution is Jesus. It always has been. It always will be. He will set you free from your condemnation. We can stand today because Jesus stood yesterday. And that's good news for you. And that's good news for me. And this is beautifully described in Galatians 5.1. I love this scripture. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Because we belong to him, condemnation has no grip on us. Romans 8.1 says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. Liverpool One Church, today, I just really want to encourage you. Don't look back with regret. Don't look back at all those things that you've done wrong. Look forward with hope. Don't look back with regret. Look forward with hope, just like we see Andy do in the movie. He was in prison wrongfully. He didn't lose his hope. He was always looking to the future. And today, church, you need to know, the first thing you need to do if you want to be free is take a stand against condemnation. The second thing you need to do today if you don't feel free is this. You need to break the bondage. Break the bondage. Verse 11 finishes by saying, go and sin no more. And I read that, And I wondered to myself, wow, imagine that, an encounter with Jesus, this woman, 
I really wonder if she went on from that day and didn't sin anymore. Because that's what Jesus said, right? If you're a Christ follower, let me ask you a question. After you've decided to follow Jesus, have you sinned? I know I have, for sure, 100%. I'm super, super confident of that. And then I read this verse, and I just wonder to myself, am I missing the point? Because Jesus said, go and sin no more. Is this even possible? So I'm really kind of confused right now because I know it's not possible, but he said it. Why? Well, then I read verse 32, and it says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What truth? Well, the Apostle Paul really helps us with this truth about sin that we always seem to struggle with in Romans 7. And he says this, and you'll be able to relate because I could definitely relate. I do not understand what I do. For I, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Doesn't this sound familiar? And notice how it says that he can't carry out the, the good that he wanted to do. Can you relate to this? I mean, this is me right here. And then Paul goes on to say in 25, he's a little bit depressed about this, like we are. And he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin? And he's directly talking about freedom from sin here. And he gives us the answer in the next verse. He says, 25, Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not only does Jesus free us from our sin, though, God says something even better about sin. It's found in Hebrews 8.12, and it says, I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sin. So God says he's going to free us from our sin through Jesus, and then he says, wow, because of that now, guess what? I'm also gonna forget about it. So the question I have here is, so, so if God forgives our sin and he forgets our sin, then why do we spend so much time focusing on our sin? Why? It's because of something called shame. What does shame do? It keeps us from claiming freedom. Shame, let me tell you this. Shame is one of the biggest weapons the enemy can use against you. If he can get you to believe that you're never gonna change, that you're never gonna get it right, that you're never gonna get past this sin issue, if he can get you to believe that the level of your faith is all dependent upon the level of your sin, then friend, it's game over before it's even started. There's this amazing story in the Bible. I'm not gonna go into it in huge amount today. I've dived around scripture left, right, and center, but I do wanna use it for a second to help illustrate why we get caught up in bondage and why we struggle so much with sin. And there's a story of Lazarus in John 11. And long story short, Lazarus dies. He's put into a tomb. And then basically Jesus arrives on the scene. Now the story sort of sets the context that Jesus was good friends with Lazarus. And this is one of the only times where you see Jesus crying because Lazarus is dead. But then something amazing happens because Jesus is there and it's not gonna stay the same when he's there. And it says in John eleven forty three, 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, get this, his hands and his feet bound, bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth, and Jesus told him, 
told the people he was with, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. And what I want you to see here is this, Lazarus was dead, just like we are dead in our sin. And then Jesus gets involved and he gives us a second chance. He wipes away that sin. He gives us an opportunity to start over. And often at the very outset of our Christian life, that's when you decide to put your trust and faith in Jesus. And when you start to try and live out the life that he's called you to live, there are habits and things that you just need to break free from. Even though you've been set free, you're not able to live free. And this is really sad because I've seen it so many times when new Christians come into church, they find the, the freedom that Jesus promises, and then they try and do life and they get baptized and it's amazing for a while and then something happens. They begin to question, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. And just like Lazarus was tangled up by the grave clothes, we too can be tangled up by our sin. Hebrews 12 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that can so easily entangle us. Lazarus was bound by his grave clothes. Jesus gave the command and he was set free. And in reality, this really isn't easy. You might even need some help from close family or friends or even a professional. I did. To be able to cast the restrictions off, to be able to see a way forward again, you might feel restricted. You might feel held down. But know this, Jesus wants to help you today break through your bondage. He is the life for you to live. He is the purpose, a beautiful purpose marked out for you. Notice how it also says, throw off everything that hinders us. So it's not just talking about the sin that can easily entangle us. It's talking about other things that can hinder us. What things? Well, earlier I mentioned that our mindset, our self-talk at times can often be really negative. It's not a direct sin issue. It's more of a mindset issue. And I find this can really be a problem, a huge blocker when it comes to experiencing freedom. It becomes a real problem when we start to believe the lie and we start to speak it over ourselves. We start to say things like, I'm rejected. I'm not good enough. I'm unworthy. Who am I? I'm unqualified. I'm a failure. Man, I've said that so many times to myself. And today I want to show you the exercise that I did in order to break the bondage. And the exercise that I did today to break the bondage was just simply this. I want you to go home. I want you to think about the things that you speak over yourself, the negative things. And then I want you to do this because this has the power to break the bondage that's over your life. And this is one of mine, unqualified. I don't know what yours looks like today, but this is mine. And what we tend to do, you have to understand, is we tend to draw circles around these things in our mind. We go over and over and over until our mind starts to trick us and we start to believe the lie is the truth. Friends, what you need today to do today is just stop drawing circles. Stop drawing circles and draw a line. Draw a line right through the lie. Draw a line through the lie. And if you can, 
replace it with the truth because it's the truth that will set you free. And I really believe today that that's what he's gonna do for all of us. He's gonna help us break the bondage today. You need to say enough is enough. I need to stop believing the lie. I need to look at what God says about me. I need to start believing the truth. Just like we've seen Andy in the story. He knew the truth. And even when things didn't look as if they were gonna go his way, he held to it because he knew the time was gonna come when he could break out. And today you can do the same thing. You can break through your bondage. And the third and the final thing you need to know today in order to be free is this. Freedom is your identity. Freedom is your identity. And to understand the gravity of what this means, you have to look at what Jesus said to the crowd after he told the woman to go and sin no more. Verse 34 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. And to get this point across of freedom, Jesus compares a slave to a son. And what you need to understand is that a slave must obey and serve. A slave is therefore held captive to what they serve. And Jesus is saying that when we sin, we are held down and we are held captive and we are controlled by that sin. That's why Paul writes in Romans, don't you realize that you obey and you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave of sin, which leads to death, Romans 6, 16. And on the other hand, Jesus, when he talks about the son, I love this, because what he's highlighting is he's highlighting the authority that he has because of who his father is. In other words, he's saying that the son has true freedom from sin because of who he is. Galatians 4, 7 says, now you, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Let that sink in. Because church, you need to know today that freedom, it's got nothing to do with what you've done. Freedom's got nothing to do with what you've done. It's got everything to do with who you belong to. Freedom's got nothing to do with what you've done. It's got everything to do with who you belong to. And when you understand this, it's a game changer. And this makes sense because the world's view would say, I am what I have done, right? I am what I have done. That's what the worldview says. It focuses on all the things you can achieve through your behavior, which by the way, are only things that are obtainable by us. But God's view says something different. God's view says, you are what I have done. You are what I have done. This focuses on the identity that you have through Jesus. Ephesians 2 says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift from God, not by works, not by anything that you can do so that no one can boast. And this is amazing news for us because this means that freedom isn't obtainable by anything that we can do. Freedom is only obtainable by what he has already done. And then he gives that freedom to us for free. When you fully understand this, it's a game changer. Shame, it can't hold you down anymore. Why? Because the grave couldn't hold Jesus down. Now nothing that the enemy speak over you 
has a grip on your life because your identity is now found in him, not in what you did, not in what you did. This is where we experience true freedom in my experience. So today know that freedom is your identity. It's your right. It's your birthright. All you have to do is receive it and believe it as the truth. And in closing today, because time is gone, what do you do when you don't feel free? Well, you do what Andy did in the movie. Andy decided to take a stand against his accusers, and he knew what they were saying about him was wrong, just like we see Jesus do in the story. He was able to stand against these Pharisees and these accusers. He was able to turn condemnation away from this woman. He positioned himself between the sin and this woman so this woman could walk free. And because of this, she was able to do that. And in the movie, when they tried to blackmail Andy, when they tried to use him and abuse him, Andy found a way to outsmart them. He managed to pin the whole thing back on those guards and those wardens who were doing things wrong. Just like Jesus outsmarted the Pharisees in the story, right? He was able to pin the whole thing back on them and he was able to turn condemnation into conviction for this woman and he was able to help her break the bondage, to give her a second chance. Finally, in the movie, you see that Andy was able to break free from the prison that he found himself in, what's your prison today? What do you wanna break out of today? He knew who he was, he was innocent. He knew that freedom was his identity. And that's why he was so confident in walking around that prison because he had this freedom. Could you imagine what your life would look like if you were able to walk around your situation, the prison that you're in right now with a confidence, knowing that your Father in heaven is gonna come through? Because in the story, we see that sin had no hold on this woman because she had a new identity, an identity that Jesus paid the price for, an identity of freedom. So today, Liverpool One Church, the three keys to freedom or simply this, take a stand against condemnation, break the bondage, and know that freedom is your identity. Freedom is your identity. Could you imagine what your life would look like? Could you imagine how much it would be transformed if you applied these things into your life today? And you know what? The beautiful thing that I've seen and I've learned is when you do figure it out, when you do understand and embrace the freedom that God gives you, He's got something for you to do with it. Because how many know that God uses everything on purpose for His purpose? And my challenge to you today, if you are living free, is can you use your freedom to help free others? Can you use your testimony? Can you use your story to help give someone hope in a hopeless situation? Can you point people to the source of your freedom, which is Jesus Christ. Because church today, we have all been set free to live free. Time is gone. I'd love it if you could stand for a moment. And I'd love the opportunity to pray for you because like I said, this is weighed heavy on my heart and that only happens because God wants something to be said. And I don't know where this has landed today. I don't know where life finds you today, but I do know this, that sometimes 
we find ourselves in prisons, prisons that maybe someone has put us in, prisons that maybe we've put ourselves in in our mind, prisons through something that we've done wrong. And today I believe that God would give you the key to unlock yourself so you can walk out free. You can walk out those doors different to how you walked in today. So wherever you're at right now, just bow your head. I'd love to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you God for the freedom that you've given us. Thank you, God, for the amazing gift that Jesus did for us. And I pray over every single person in this room. You know the situation. You know with what they're battling against right now. You know what sin issue they're struggling with. You know what mindset they're struggling with. And God, I ask that you would just help them take a stand of, against condemnation, against these voices in their head or in the world that just speak negatively. God, help them break through the bondage. Help them embrace this freedom as their own identity. Help them have the confidence to walk around these issues and these seasons of life with such confidence, with such reassurance that you are with them, that you will never fail them, that you will never let them down. And I ask God for breakthrough today from addiction. I ask God that you would break through and that you would bring new life, you would give a second chance in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I wanna do a really quick second prayer. Maybe you're here and you have never decided to trust in Jesus. You've never decided to put your faith in him. If you don't know Jesus, he was the son of God. He came, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for us, for me, for you, for our sins, for the things that we've done wrong. And God's desire is for us to be made right with Him and we do that through Jesus because three days later, it says that He rose again. And we have the same opportunity to rise again to be with our Father. All it is is just a simple prayer away. So wherever you're at right now, just bow your heads, everyone in this place. And I just want you to pray this in your heart if you wanna follow Jesus today. Father God, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done wrong. Forgive me of my sins. Help me start afresh. Help me break through the bondage that holds me down today. Give me a new identity in your son, Jesus, today. And I ask you, God, to be with me, to be beside me for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.